Giving Sunday, um, I want to talk about being thankful. So if you will turn your Bibles with me into the um, letter of 1 Timothy, chapter 4. It's one of those little pastoral epistles we call them. Uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Where um, Paul is giving advice to a young pastor going to the city of Ephesus to Straight things out among, among the uh, people there and be their, their leader, their passion. So he, he's sending Timothy off there to uh, help them out. And so this is what part of the advice that um, uh, Timothy gives. And I want to go back to verse 1 on this. I do want to focus on verses 4 and 5 for Thanksgiving. But 1 through 5 actually give um, some background for what um, Paul is talking about here. He says this. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask God that you would bless the reading and the hearing of your word. Father, let it go forth and not return for it. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Well, we know uh, American Thanksgiving is specific to us, and it honors a period of history where a group called the Puritans came over from England uh, to escape persecution um, from the church. Now, if you know anything about European history at this time, there, was, there were a lot of religious wars going on, particularly between Catholics and Protestants. And... Uh, you know, uh, when, uh, when Elizabeth I was queen, she put forth the act of toleration when her sister uh, uh, came in and uh, succeeded her. Uh, she uh, was Catholic, and so she persecuted the church, uh, the Protestant church, and, and back and forth over the years. It kept shifting back and forth. And, uh, you know, it, it, was so, it, it was sad that the church in those days had such political entanglements, and that's really what it was. Uh, the, the church, uh, the, the, the state wanted to control the church. And uh, that, that's not the way it should be. Uh, although it was, it was that way for about a thousand years, um, it shouldn't be that way. I'm, I'm thankful in our country that we have separation of church and state. Not separation from Christianity, but separation of church and state so that the church can be sort of like the prophets of the Old Testament. And speak God's truth to those in power. But anyway, the Puritans were, were, were a group uh, that uh, they came together, and uh, of course they they um, wanted to uh, purify themselves of all the rituals. That's where they get their name from. Of all the rituals that were going on in the um, Anglican Church. And uh, sometimes, you know, I, I think sometimes we get too far. Uh, rituals are good thing. All, all ritual means is that you're doing something consistent. We meet every Sunday for worship at 11 a.m. 
Believe it or not, that's a ritual. <laughs> um, we take communion every once in a while. That is a ritual, but one that Jesus himself established. So I don't agree with everything the Puritans um, said, you know, believed and said, and plus they were Calvinists. Um, but anyway, I disagree with the, some of their positions on predestination. But they were a people who were dedicated to Christ, that they weren't heretics per se. I wouldn't call them that. And I have some minor disagreements with them. Um, but they came over because of that religious persecution. In fact, they often called them pilgrims because they, they, they traveled for religious reasons. But when they got to uh, America in six, you know, 1620, we know about the, uh, the, the establishment of the Plymouth Colony and how they had a rough winter, and many of them did not survive. In fact, many of them didn't survive the trip over um, for me. But many did not survive that that, that during that time, that first winter. And if it weren't for um, some of the uh, local Native Americans showing them how to raise corn and also to um, uh, you know, fish and those kinds of things in that area, uh, and, and, and introduce them to wild turkey, uh, they wouldn't have survived. And so in 1623, you know, Governor William Bradford wrote these words concerning his thankfulness to God. And afterward, the Lord sent them such seasonable showers with the interchange of fair warm weather as, through His blessing, caused a fruitful and liberal harvest to their no small comfort and rejoicing. For with mercy and time, and time convenient, they also set apart a day of thanksgiving. By this time, harvest was come, and instead of famine, now God gave them plenty, for which they blessed God, and the effect of their particular planting was well seen. For all had pretty well, so as any general want of famine or famine had not been amongst men since to, since to this day. God blessed these people. He saved, he saved their lives. He, he saved these people. He helped them to flourish in America. This is what the beginning of the United States of America right here. And so, you know, we, we should be thankful to the Lord for our country, for the things that He has given us. But sometimes we have um, people who are trying to tell us certain things that, that we cannot eat certain foods or that we cannot um, get married. I mean, we, we have different kinds of what I call secular fundamentalists today. Uh, we, we have, people always talk about the religious fundamentalists. There's a secular fundamentalism today that says you have to do what we say or else you're going to be canceled, run out of the town square, whatever. And a lot of these, um, I call them cultural elites too, are saying that, you know, things like, like uh, beef are bad for the environment. The, beef, the whole beef raising process is bad for the environment. And uh, some people tell us over and over again uh, that we need to become vegetarians and go vegan. In fact, I saw recently, and I couldn't believe this, um, that uh, being pushed by... Uh, some of these cultural elites that, uh, and, and, I, and Hollywood stars were doing it, they were trying to get people to like eating bugs. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that in the news recently, but I thought that, that was the most ridiculous thing that I've ever seen. I mean, I guess, it, I guess they're a good source of protein. I don't know. But we have people who, who are wanting to um, reject these kinds of things, reject certain kinds of, of foods and things like that. And, and will do so dogmatically. And, you know, in society, um, 
I, I really think that this whole um, push by um, modern feminists and also um, this, this, uh, these activists in the LGBTQ community is really all about destroying marriage. Destroying marriage. And we, sometimes we call it traditional marriage. I don't like that, that term. Marriage is marriage. It's what God has determined. I guess I, I would say biblical Christian marriage or God's marriage, the one that He established. But people are um, increasingly be, you know, choosing to be single because uh, that they don't want to you know, produce children or because they're self-pleasing and want to get involved in these other kinds of sexual acts. Um, they're, they're giving up marriage and, and family for these things. And what, we really don't, what they really don't realize is that we're, headed, we're a society heading towards a suicide, really. Um, we're destroying our own self. We're, we're destroying our, our nation. We're, we're destroying the American people. And, and you know, the, the, these things are ultimately meant to, um, you know, I just think that there are ways of, of trying to control the population and, and find some ways of, of um, you know, reducing the population for whatever reason. I, I can't figure that out. Why, why, why we want to reduce the American population? When, when we know that the two-thirds world, I call them, other nations, um, you know, that they have no problems with, with these things and, and, and they're flourishing right now as far as, of, as far as their numbers. Um, it, it's crazy to me. But as you know, Timothy is saying here, I mean, as Paul is saying to Timothy here, he, he's worried that some false doctrines are getting into the church that, that demand that certain foods be put away and that, that, that demanding that people not be married. Now, I'm not married, but that's only because I've chosen at this time not to marry. And that doesn't mean that I'm, that I'm um, you know, saving myself for, for anything. Uh, you know, I, I could say I'm saving myself for God and, and for His work. Um, celibacy is, is just, you know, something I feel like I need to do at this phase of life. And, and maybe sometime it might go. But that, that should always and never be a choice. It's not something that should be forced upon people. But the church at that time was teaching this. And, and, it, and it said, and Paul was, was concerned about it. He was concerned about it. But Paul said, these, the things that God has created are to be enjoyed by us. The things that God created are to be enjoyed by us. And he puts a condition on it. If it is received in thanksgiving and also by the word of God in prayer. And I would say um, the word of God in prayer um, has to do with faith. I'll generalize those two. That those two work together for me. So I would say nothing God has created is to be rejected if it is received in faith and thanksgiving towards God. And why do I say that? Because God created all things in this world to be good. He repeated this several times in Genesis. You know, they say that repetition is the soul of education. If you repeat something, and, and, and the Old Testament does this a lot, especially in its poetry, when you repeat something, it helps reinforce the idea. And God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. 
I like the Psalm, what is it, 139, I think, Psalm 139, I think is the right number. If I'm, if I'm wrong, you, you can correct me later, but where it says, His steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. Boy, that psalmist wanted to drive home that point. We were talking the other day about choruses that repeat. Well, you've got to read the psalms to see how much they repeat stuff. But anyway, I understand people, you know, have have problems with some certain choruses and uh, modern songs that they do repeat a lot. But the Bible repeats a lot too, especially in the psalms. But anyway, um, this whole thing is, you know, the idea is that God created things in this world as good, and they are inherently good. You and I are not good because we turned away from God in our hearts. And Paul has to address that a little bit here. But the things that God created are good. In Genesis 1.29, God tells them, Adam and Eve, his, his new creation, that He has given them every green plant of the field as food for them. He says, and for every beast of the field, I give every green plant for food. So we know that God gave food to, for our bodies. And secondly, He says, God gave animals for food as well after the flood in Genesis 9. I think this has to do with this, the fact that um, you know, the um, vegetation had been destroyed by the flood, and so God gave them another alternative, which was the meat of animals. And, 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 and we've, that, that injunction never disappeared, that, that allowance has never disappeared. In fact, all throughout the Old Testament, you know, God blessed the Passover meal over and over again. He told them to, to, to uh, eat, eat of these animals, you know. So that continues on today. And of course, we also know that in the Old Testament, in Genesis, marriage was created by God. In Genesis chapter 2, when God took the rib or the side of um, Adam and fashioned it into a woman and presented the woman to Adam. And Adam says, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And the writer of Genesis says, what God has brought together, let no man tear asunder. God created marriage, and, and, and I could say that that's strictly for procreation, but I don't believe that's the case, because God said it's not good for a man to be alone. And so there was some sort of fulfillment that's happening there between, in, in, within marriage, uh, a relational fulfillment that man needed, that was part of man's creation. So, so there, there, there's this fulfillment, there's this companionship, there, there, there's this enjoyment of other people, God created this world to be good so that you and I, His, crea His, His penultimate creation, could enjoy it and, and enjoy each other. Now, we know that, that sin ruined that. But I believe that Paul, when he is thinking about Jesus Christ, is thinking about the, the new age that he brought. And I'm talking about the new age of God's kingdom coming to earth, not this, you know, frilly... Um, meaningless uh, new age spirituality that people talk about. But the new age brought about in Jesus Christ with His kingdom coming to earth. And we know that, that in the Old Testament, um, God banned certain foods to be eaten. Um, insects, rodents, uh, sea creatures, and of course pork. Now I don't know if I could have survived uh, in the Old Testament because I love pork, I love bacon. <laughs> and I'm sure you do too and ham, 
Uh, we'll probably have ham uh, coming up in, in, here in a few days along with the turkey. We kind of do both. But the reason God did those things is, is to me really because of, of the idea of thus says the Lord. Because God said so. Now we don't like that answer. <laughs> we want to know why God did these things. I think it was simply because God says you are my people and I am yours. You're my covenant people. These are the things I want you to eat. These are the things I don't want you to eat. And you need to learn obedience because I care about everything that goes in, in everything, every aspect of your life I care about, including the food that you eat. So I think God was just trying to prove a point. I don't think it's anything more or less than that. Um, you know, we have different studies that say pork is bad. We have the next study that says pork is good. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't know if that, that it could be health. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, we, we know that rodents tend to be the number one carrier of diseases among the animals. But for whatever reason, I think it's just simply that God wanted them to be His special, unique people, and He wanted them to obey Him. But now that Jesus Christ has come, we know that it's not the, the law that God was concerned about, but the Spirit behind the law, and that is our faith and obedience and love for God. And so nothing God has created should be rejected. Now who are these teachers? Um, I'm not sure because Paul doesn't specifically say who they were. You had um, pagans on one side who were all for sexual you know, um, immorality and, and were all for continuing on. Um, you know, God, Jesus would just be another God that they worshipped. And Jesus says, no, you can't do that. Well, then you had on the other side, you had these what are called Judaizers who said you had to become a Jew before you became a Christian. So you had to you know, take circumcision. You had to follow the dietary laws and all this stuff. So I'm not sure who Paul is, is addressing here necessarily. But then you had this, this group that said, we must abstain from food, we must abstain from marriage, and be totally dedicated to God. And if you want to be a Christian, you've got to do the, this, 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 and this, and this. A lot of times we call it legalism. But Paul is saying, no, in Jesus Christ we have faith in Him. We know that He is the new revelation. And we know, even from the Old Testament, that God created all things to be good and that they are to be enjoyed by us. Even, even um, some of the um, apostles had to learn this. When Peter was coming up, he was a dedicated Jew and he would not... Um, you know, um, eat with Gentiles. He, he, had, he had a problem with that until Jesus revealed to him that you should eat with Gentiles. It's okay. Um, it, it's okay to eat with sinners and tax collectors if you're trying to give them the gospel and win them to Jesus, you know, to the kingdom. Um, you know, it, you don't have to um, ritually wash your hands, although it might be a good thing to wash your hands before you eat. You don't have to, he, he, he got rid of those, the, those ritualistic understandings in his disciples but even Peter had to have a vision before he would accept this idea that all things that God made, made was good. In fact, um, th there was a vision that he had and there was a sheet let down with all the animals there. And Peter says, no, Lord, I, I'm not going to touch that or eat that. It, it, it's unclean. And, and, and the, the angel says, do not call anything that God has made unclean. So, you know, there's, there's precedence throughout um, all the scriptures about how we should receive God's good creation.
that all things that He has made are good for us and that they are made to be enjoyed. And, and finding a, a spouse uh, that we can enjoy and spend life together, that's, that, that's a good thing that God created. And that those things are to be accepted in faith and with gratitude to the One who made these things. In other words, God is the source of all things that, that have been made in creation. God is the source of these things. Now, there are things that God calls sin. We know that. And, and there are things that are sinful for us. But the things of this world, whether it's food, or, it, food and drink and, and, uh, and, and marriage and those, those institutions that God has established, they are to be received um, as, as if they come from God Himself, which they do come from God Himself. And what we have to do is to receive these gifts from God with faith and with thanksgiving. They come from Almighty God as a source. We know that, that in Jesus Christ, when, he, when, uh, when uh, John the, the Apostle wrote about Jesus, he said that all things were created through Him. All things were made through Him. So Christ was as involved in creation as God the Father was. He was there in the beginning, John says. Which means that Jesus was there before the created order, which, which meant to uh, a lot of the early church that He was uncreated in him, Himself. He was co-equal, co-eternal with God. He has always been and always existed. And then He took on our human flesh for a brief time and dwelled among us. And then suffered as one of us and died as one of us, and yet was risen from the grave to a new eternal life, and He has brought about a new age of, of uh, freedom from sin if we but have faith in Him and turn to Him and His sacrifice. And we know that He is coming again one day. But God's kingdom is established now on earth. And, and, and God's good things and good gifts are given to us. And, and we need to thank Him for all these things. We need to thank Him for, for the food that's on our tables. You know, a lot of times when we talk about Prayer, we talk about blessing the food. I don't, I, I don't know if, I mean, and I've done this in the past too. I don't, I don't think it's about blessing the food. It's already blessed because it belongs to God. But we do pray and give thanks to God for the food. And we need to start thinking about it in those terms. God is the source of all of our provision. All good things that come to us come from Him. And, and the more gratitude and thankfulness we have, and of course faith in Him and in the Son Jesus Christ, the, the, uh, the greater the enjoyment of those gifts. When we recognize God in every aspect of our lives, um, we, we begin to see that these things are gifts for us to be enjoyed. And, and, and faith in Christ and thanking Him is, is the way in which um, we, we uh, recognize that this provision comes from Him. All good things come from Him. All things are to be enjoyed. Now, the Bible does warn us against self-indulgence. Uh, it, it warns us about using food in, 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 in only to please ourselves or using uh, marriage only to please ourselves. Um, if anything, marriage is supposed to be about self-sacrificing love. He warns us about indulging in food. He calls it gluttony. 
He warns us about indulging in, in alcohol. He calls it drunkenness. And, and leading to debauchery. We have to be so careful about you know, some of those things. We, we, we don't just take them in for our own pleasure without thinking about God and, and, and His his will for us and for our lives. We have to be so careful. And, and God is going to help us uh, live a holy life. The more that we receive um, his, um, his provision in faith and, and receive it with thanksgiving, the more God is going to um, you know, show us the things that we need to get rid of in our own lives, the, the sinfulness and, and the self-indulgence and, and the, the drunkenness and debauchery. He's going to show us those kinds of things if we but continue to look to Him. So for me, thanksgiving is, is more than just um, a national holiday that we give thanks uh, to, uh, to God for how He brought this nation forth. But thanks to God in all the things that we have from Him, all the good gifts, all the good things of this world that He created, they come from Him, and He is the source and so we look to Him for these things and not just to ourselves. And Jesus gives us reminders of His provision uh, through, through what we call the sacraments. Uh, the sacrament of baptism and the sacrament of communion. That those are two things uh, set apart as holy for God for all believers to participate in and, and to partake of. And, and, and they are signs to us of what Christ did on the cross, but they are also very simple things. Bread, wine, or, as, or in our case, uh, um, ferment, non-fermented wine. <laughs> Grape juice, if you want to call it. Which I have no problem with, you know, some, some groups will use fermented wine. I don't, I don't think that's good. I think, I think Paul, when he talked about in um, in First Corinthians, about how people were um, indulging in the um, the Lord's Supper, that they were taking more than what they should, and they were, you know, meaning I think implying that they were probably getting drunk. I think he would be happy that we have unfermented grape juice to take for this kind of of, of ritual, and, and he said you need to treat it as holy, and we do. In fact, the old Greek word for this is Eucharist. Maybe you've heard it used in some of the Lutheran churches, the word Eucharist. Well, you know what the word Eucharist means? It's translated as thanksgiving. It literally means the good grace of God. But it also means uh, returning thanks. It has to do with thanksgiving. Giving thanks to God. And so we partake of that today in, in thanks to God for what He's done for us, what He's provided, especially the kingdom that He provided for us through the Son, Jesus Christ, through the simple things of the earth, the, the things that He created, the, the simple meal, and the simple, um, you know, even, and even baptism really is a simple thing. I remember um, reading a, a theologian, and he, he said this, he said, the sacraments are holy for God, but they are also very simple things because everybody needs a meal and everybody needs a bath. Whether you think so or not, everybody, <laughs> you need a bath. <laughs> but everybody needs a meal and everybody needs, and he's right. God has given us the simplest things 
as, as symbols of, of His grace and love for us. And so we receive them with thankfulness and, and, and thanking God for His provisions in life, in our general life, but in particular remembering the sufferings of Jesus Christ, His shed blood on the cross and His body, which was broken for us, for our salvation. So we partake in, in communion today, and we do practice open communion because anybody can take it. But there is a call to um, faith and repentance and, and a confession of, of faith in Christ. So let's do that right now as we pray. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning to receive these gifts that you've given us. It's a reminder of the gifts you give us in life, and in particular of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and, and the kingdom that he has brought to us. The great gifts and good gifts of God, we give thanks for them right now. And Father, we don't want to take them in an unworthy manner, so we ask, Lord, that you would search our hearts this morning and see if there be anything wicked in our hearts, Lord, anything sinful. And Father, help us to confess those right now to you. And we ask your forgiveness of our sins, Lord. God, forgive us of our failures. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of the things that we have done. Forgive us of the things we left undone. God, help us to rededicate ourselves fully to you in this moment. In our hearts and in our minds. We give thanks to you and we ask that you increase our faith and we ask for your grace that's given for your shed blood and for your broken body. And it's in your name I pray and ask all these things. Amen. I want to ask Dylan and Michael if you'll come and help serve.